The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I have a rather wonderful situation because it happens that I'm in one of my favorite places. I'm actually kind of recovering. Um, I just got back from doing my comprehensive lactation course in New York City. And I'm now sitting at my mother's house, which is south of Rochester, New York, which, you know, typically by the time it starts getting to the point where we have pumpkins here, it's usually kind of cold. But actually, today was a day when it was in the mid to high 60s. And so I got to sit on the sunroom and it's not it's not exactly summer, but it makes me kind of feel that way, which is kind of really, really great. I, I always love that feeling. So I'm really psyched to do a radio show tonight, and I hope you are too. Um, let me tell you that this getting on the road thing and doing my course, either the comprehensive course for those people who want to become a lactation consultant or any of my other courses, I find that there are just so many myths floating around there. Uh, and I always figure out that, that if the professionals don't really know what the answer is, probably the mothers don't either. So I'm going to try to break this down for you. Uh, myths that I think are related to what seem to me that people categorize them as breastfeeding and tummy trouble or breastfeeding and stomach upset. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, but that is how people generally present them to me. So I'm going to start out with the whole bit with colic. Now, honestly, colic could be a whole episode. It might even be a whole show. I don't know, because I'm not a pediatrician, okay? I'm a nurse. But this is what I usually hear as related to breastfeeding. What I hear is babies who have colic or colic-like symptoms, uh, that'll just all go away if you just stop the breastfeeding and give the formula. All right, let me tell you, this is a myth. But let me help you to dissect this myth a little bit. First of all, is it really colic? And the answer is, mm, maybe not. Let's look at whether or not your baby's crying really meets the criteria for colic. Many years ago, oh, I don't even remember, but I'm thinking it was probably in the 1950s or so, when Dr. Morris Wessel who was a pediatrician, talked about the three classic symptoms of colic. He said that in order for it to be colic, 
the baby cries at least three hours a day total for more than three days in any one week and at least a three-week period of duration. I don't know that this is always true, but there's another three that I think kind of goes with it. It seems to me that it usually starts about three weeks. And this I do know. There is some science behind it. Generally, true colic will be alleviated by three months. So you won't see kids colicky after three months. So if your baby is two and a half months, whether he's got colic or not, um, you might kind of wonder if maybe you could get another couple of weeks here before you uh, start pulling your hair out. But anyway, uh, that's the definition of colic. At least three hours a day, more than three days at any one week, at least three-week period for duration. Usually starts, in my experience, around three weeks and a, a fair amount of science that shows that uh, it ends by three months. But colic has never, ever been shown to be caused by breastfeeding, ever. And as far as I know, colic has never been related to any other single factor. I've been reading about colic since I was in graduate school. And a summer or two ago, I really sat down and read a whole flock more. And I've been reading about it ever since. Colic is always described as multifactorial. Now, some of the studies have shown that emotional stress is related to colic. And you say, oh, but my baby isn't stressed. Well, my question of that there is, how much of the time does your baby spend with you? Now, formula stays in the gut longer, and it's harder to digest. So think about this. Formula is probably not going to do the job there anyway. But I kind of interrupted myself because what I meant to say, you you can kind of tell I don't exactly write a script for these things, right? Um, What I meant to say was look at the cultural piece of this. If you look at somebody like the Kung tribe, They're in uh, Africa, in the desert. I think it's the Kalahari Desert. And those people don't seem to have any problem whatsoever with babies who have colic or colic-like symptoms. In fact, their babies rarely cry at all. It's interesting to note that Kung mothers keep their babies with them and hold them 24-7, okay, from the time that they're born. Most women don't do that. We tend to put our babies in cribs. We tend to put them in rooms by themselves at night. We tend to put them in those plastic carriers during the day. Uh, My mother always called them uh, putting the baby in the bucket or the plastic bucket, she would say. So I'm saying that before we blame colic or colic-like symptoms onto breastfeeding, we need to think about the other things that are going on. And how not holding your baby or maybe not responding your baby is another piece of what you're seeing, all right? So, for example, the Kung tribe is also very successful with immediately responding as soon as they see that the baby has any sort of distress. So, responsiveness is key. If your baby starts to cry, he needs an immediate response. And if you feel like you've already been breastfeeding frequently, holding your baby skin to skin and responding immediately when the baby expresses a need 
you maybe might have a deeper seated problem, okay? Because sometimes these things are not just colic or just breastfeeding or or just whatever. All right, sometimes there really truly is something that's substantially wrong, and those babies need to be evaluated. But in the meanwhile, let me talk to you about a, a, a thing that is almost the same as breastfeeding, and that is skin-to-skin contact. As, as a matter of fact, in some societies, they don't even differentiate between the act of suckling and having skin-to-skin contact. Research clearly shows that babies who are held skin-to-skin are less likely to cry. So, switching from breastfeeding to formula is not going to solve the problem if feeding isn't the explanation for colic, but you could certainly try some skin-to-skin contact regardless of whatever it is that is bothering the baby, colic or food or anything else. Now, a a word about this, oh, well, so therefore I'm just going to go to formula and the baby will be okay. Well, no, actually overfeeding actually exacerbates colic. And formula-fed babies are much more likely to be overfed because breastfed babies self-regulate their intake. We've known that for, oh, years. Uh, I think that that was Hopkinson's study in 1991, but boy, my memory doesn't go back quite that far. It's been a long time. Allergies exacerbate colic. Notice I said exacerbate. I did not say cause colic. And there's a higher likelihood that babies will be allergic to something that's in the formula than if they were allergic to something in mother's milk. And by the way, we could have a whole discussion about GMOs and allergies, uh, GMOs being genetically modified organisms. And this is GMO month, so I could talk a little bit more about that if you'd like. Maybe If we had time at the end, maybe I will. So bottom line is, if you've heard that switching to formula will reduce or eliminate your baby's colic, that is a myth. All right. Colic is multifactorial. It is not due to breastfeeding. It's probably not even due to feeding alone. It is very multifactorial. Uh, Certainly, there have been studies that do implicate the anxiety factor, in which case I'm suggesting that you do more holding, more responding, more skin-to-skin with your baby. Okay, so let me take on the next one. And by the way, I laid out 10 myths for you today. I don't know if we'll get to all of them or not. Uh, Next one. Number two, women who breastfeed must restrict what they eat in their diet or the other myth that's sort of the same but a little bit like a different theme on that is mothers must have a perfect diet. Neither one of those things are true. They're both myths, okay? You don't have to restrict what you eat and you don't have to have a perfect diet. Mothers should eat a variety of foods while they're lactating, food that's good for you, uh, It's good for your baby. So a perfect diet is not necessary for the quality of the milk the mother makes. Interestingly, even mothers who are very nutritionally deprived make milk as good as yours and mine. How is that true? Well, just stop and think about survival of the species, okay? The species would not have survived if we couldn't get the next generation to survive. So the components of the mother's milk remain largely unchanged, whatever her diet is. 
Uh, now, let me be quick to say that it might change the flavor of her milk or <laughs> even the color of the milk, but it doesn't change the actual nutrient components of the milk very much at all. About the only thing that could be changed is the fatty acid profile. And notice I said fatty acid profile. I did not say uh, the fat itself. So understand here that nature is smart enough to give the baby the best in, uh, components, the best milk. The only clunker is if you're not eating a good diet, it's going to rob your own body of the nutrients that you need and you're going to be nutrient deficient. And you might not be real thrilled on that idea. So basically, the bottom line with this myth is don't sweat it. Just eat what you want. Eat what tastes good to you. There are other things in a perfect diet elsewhere. If you can't get it from one source, you can get it from another. Don't sweat it too hard. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. All right. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. I would just also like to say that before we go on, uh, take a look at what you need for yourself or your own child. Visit New Angel, that's N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com, one of our sponsors. This is a uh, wonderful place that has many, many products made for mothers by mothers, you'll want to take a look. That's www.newangel.com. All right, so before the break, I was talking about two myths. One was on uh, colic and breastfeeding, which is actually not related at all, and the other one being on a perfect diet or a restricted diet, and I basically said, neither one of those make any sense either. Both of those are myths. So I'm going to pick up on one that you need to listen carefully because this is kind of complicated, all right? This is one that I hear, I've heard it on the road when I teach my courses, I've heard it from mothers themselves, I've been hearing it for years, it's just kind of wacky, so I'm going to try to get you straightened out on this really big myth. Here's the myth I hear, is that many or most babies cry uh, when they're breastfeeding because they are lactose intolerant. All right, I'm going to blow this myth right out of the water for you, and I'm going to start by saying in order for you to understand this, and you're a perfectly intelligent person, you can understand this. You don't need to have a medical degree to figure this out, all right? There are three types of lactose issues. I'm going to name each one, and then I'll unpack it for you. All right, first, there is true congenital lactose intolerance. Congenital means that the baby is born with the condition, although sometimes it doesn't show up until the first couple of weeks or maybe even in the first month or so. So that's number one. Number two, transient lactose intolerance. And number three, lactose overload. So I'll repeat those. Number one, true congenital lactose intolerance. Number two, transient lactose intolerance. Number three, lactose overload. If you think, or if you have been told, which would actually be worse yet, if you have been told that your newborn has lactose intolerance, it's certainly possible. It's possible, but it is highly, as in highly, unlikely. Now, I don't want you to go out there and say Marie said, because it's not what Marie says. It is Marie's understanding of the pediatric literature, which is pretty straightforward. The likelihood of a baby being born with lactose intolerance or having lactose intolerance in the early infancy, meaning in the first few months, the likelihood is very, very slim. First of all, 
in order for the baby to be born lactose intolerant, the baby would have to have two parents who are both lactose intolerant. How do I know that? Well, because by definition, this is not breastfeeding stuff, okay? (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) By definition, lactose intolerance is an autosomal recessive trait. That's where the body lacks an enzyme called lactase. And lactase is the enzyme that breaks down lactose. So if something is autosomal recessive, it means that both parents have to have the trait in order for the baby to have it. Mm, Not very likely. So with true congenital lactose intolerance, the only way to resolve it and keep the baby healthy would be to give him lactose-free formula. All right. Well, in the days of caveman, I I go back to this so often when people go goofy about these issues, what do you think caveman or cavewoman or cave mother did? There was no special formula for babies who were lactose intolerant. So the species would not have survived if many or most newborns or young infants were lactose intolerant. All right? We just wouldn't be here. Here's the other thing. Maybe you were told that your older baby had lactose intolerance as a newborn. Okay, well, can that baby drink milk now? If so, then he was not lactose intolerant, okay? He had one of those other lactose thingies, maybe, or maybe he had some other totally different condition. But true lactose intolerance is something that is a condition that one is born with, it is congenital. And then there's no fix for it. You don't ever just get better with it, all right? It's like it's like any other uh, like metabolic disease or something, okay? Now, I will concede that cases of true lactose intolerance are not diagnosed until the baby is not a baby, all right? When the baby is more like a toddler, it's certainly possible there are kids that have been diagnosed with lactose intolerance at two years old, but usually they're more around four years old, and so therefore that's not congenital lactose intolerance, all right? So I just want you to be alert that if you are self-diagnosing your baby as lactose intolerant, you really need to rethink it. And if you're hearing somebody else say that about your baby, you may want to have your antennas go up. All right, so that was condition number one, true lactose intolerance. And my bottom line was the likelihood of a newborn having that is pretty, pretty slim. All right, the second condition is transient lactose uh, intolerance, and that is a temporary condition. It's called transient lactose intolerance, or it's sometimes called secondary lactose intolerance. And what happens here is that the baby has had some sort of an episode of really severe diarrhea, And by the way, that's usually not related to feeding. That's usually uh, he had something else going on, all right? And if so, then his gastrointestinal mucosa, that lining of the GI tract, the digestive tract, has been injured. 
And so that is what is making him intolerant to the lactose. Because remember, lactose is like a carb, it is a carbohydrate, okay? And I want to say it's a sugar, except that when you think sugar, you think table sugar, and it's not that. But uh, it, it, it is a carbohydrate. Now, let's say that this is really what's going on with your baby. The other thing that I hear sometimes is, oh, okay, so even if he's got transient lactose intolerance, he shouldn't, or, or, or diarrhea, diarrhea is usually the one that I will hear, uh, then you got to take him off the breast. No, 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 no. Again, this is not Marie saying this. I am going to tell you that the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Centers for Disease Control recommend continuing breastfeeding during those episodes of diarrhea. And if the baby is really bad, then sometimes what they'll do is alternate the breastfeedings with oral rehydration therapy, but uh, that's usually not necessary, all right? So I just want to let you know that you don't have to stop breastfeeding just because the baby has had this transient or secondary issue. Lactose overload, however, is the third condition, and that is simply too much lactose. Now, this could be a whole show, but I'm going to give you just a little thumbnail sketch here. It can, and it often does happen with breastfeeding babies. Mothers who have an oversupply of milk or they have a very brisk letdown reflex will therefore have more lactose and less fat when the baby starts to suckle, okay? So that I do agree with. What happens is that the high lactose milk, and let me back up for a minute. You can have an oversupply of milk or you can have a very fast uh, milk ejection reflex or letdown. And usually those things go together, but they don't have to be together. They can be separate as well. So the high lactose milks kind of goes shooting through the baby's digestive tract, and he does indeed have tummy trouble. What you'll see is that the baby has some bloating and gassiness. Actually, he may even gain weight, but what you'll see there is more water weight, not real, real true weight. Does that make sense? So lots of people, including professionals, get all of these lactose conditions all mixed up with cow's milk protein allergies, and they are not the same. They are not at all the same, okay? Issues of lactose, lactose is one of the three macronutrients. Protein is a different macronutrient. So if your baby has a cow's milk protein allergy, and notice I said allergy, then that is a whole other thing other than lactose intolerance. So lactose is about lactose, which is a carbohydrate. Cow's milk protein is about a protein, which is an entirely different macronutrient. And I would agree that there are babies for whom cow's milk protein allergy is a problem. But a lot of the time, what you've got is this big whoosh of milk that comes with a lot of the lactose in the beginning, and not as much fat in the beginning, so it goes uh, kind of shooting through the digestive tract, the baby gets tummy trouble. Uh, truly, I could talk about this for quite a while, but basically, the first thing that I recommend for mothers in order to help with that is to just lean back. 
If you find yourself with a lot of milk or you spray milk really, really fast, when you put the baby on the breast, just kind of lean back. I would suggest a recliner, but it wouldn't have to be. And then what you've got is the milk is fighting against gravity. And so it doesn't come out so super, super fast. All right. So those are some ideas that I hope will help you to get squared away with what's what and what isn't what. But in any event, don't stop breastfeeding. Okay. All righty. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I will be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo. Thank you for joining us here today on Born to be Breastfed. We're here talking about all those tummy troubles that you think might be related to breastfeeding, but actually they kind of aren't. And I started out the show saying that 
I get a lot of this, especially when I'm teaching and I'm on the road. Uh, I told you that I just got through doing last week. Was it last week? I'm sorry. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm not jet lagged, but I'm certainly something lagged uh, from New York City. Uh, for those of you who might be interested in coming to one of my professional courses, I will be doing a course, uh, the comprehensive course that is, in Dallas at the end of this month, end of October. In November, I will be doing the comprehensive course in Baltimore, right at BWI Airport. I will also be in sunny Orlando in January. And by the way, I have to tell you that that's always an interesting one because there's usually like one person from Florida and then there's everybody else from everywhere else because they're bringing their husband, their kids and whatnot to do uh, Disney World. And then we're also doing San Diego and I can't remember where after that. Uh, get me a couple of months out and I can barely remember like... All I know is I got to pick up the suitcase and go again. All right. So anyway, here's what we're going to do next is I'm going to blow apart some of these easier myths. I gave you the tough ones first. Here's one that I hear very frequently. Eating gassy foods will cause your baby to have gas if you're breastfeeding him. All right. Well, babies can and they do get gas in their tummies. I, I, I agree with that. But the gassy foods that the mother eats haven't ever really been proven as the culprit. So let's talk about what those gassy foods are. Usually what people mean are cruciferous vegetables, things like broccoli or cabbage or beans. And I'll give it to you. The mother absolutely will experience that gassiness. But remember that the gassiness occurs with the mother herself is breaking down the gassy foods. So let's think about that. Where would the mother break down the foods? Well, in her own digestive tract, right? So in just a simple way, you can deduce this for yourself, I think. You can realize that the mother's milk is not made from what is in her digestive tract that is her stomach and intestines, okay? Rather, after she gets this food and she breaks it up, digests it, metabolizes it, and then it goes to the rest of her body and into her blood, then that's when she makes milk. So if you just think about this, human milk then is not going to be gassy because the gas doesn't pass into her blood. If gas passed into the mother's blood or into the milk, uh, we'd have a lot of women going around with a lot of, uh, I don't know, bumpy outsides or something or other. But it just doesn't work that way. Now, I will concede that some babies might be bothered by those cruciferous vegetables, things like broccoli or cauliflower. But then there's other mothers that can eat the whole field of broccoli and it never bothers their baby at all. Okay? So basically what's happening is that the hormone prolactin causes those tiny alveoli cells in the breast to take the proteins and the carbohydrates from your blood and turn them into the milk and it's just milk. It, it, it doesn't have to break down anything because the breaking down has already happened. Okay, here's another one that I hear. 
If you're breastfeeding, you need to eat bland foods because otherwise the babies will be bothered by these, um, I don't know that people call them pungent tastes, but that's what they mean. And there's just no truth to this whatsoever. All right. Actually, what you may see is that babies will actually prefer those foods that have that rather pungent taste, particularly if you ate them in pregnancy. Why so? Well, because if you ate them in pregnancy, the baby has been exposed to those tastes, flavors, aromas in utero. The umbilical fluid is taken in by the baby, swallowed by the baby. We know that. So they would have already tasted that amniotic fluid, which, by the way, when you see meconium, all that is is just swallowed amniotic fluid. So, so we know that babies get this stuff. So spicy foods, garlicky foods, not a problem. Babies actually, uh, with the garlic, if you go back and look at the work of uh, Beauchamp and Manella, they've done a whole ton of studies with uh, flavors and smells. And basically what they found was that babies actually took more sucks. They took more sucks when the mother had eaten big hunks of, or I don't know if it was hunks, but certainly big amounts of garlic, okay? And then I think about the mother who told me that um, she had just started her uh, baby, I want to say the baby was about seven months old or so, and she'd given her some salmon to eat because they were eating salmon at the table that night. And I said, well, did you eat salmon during your pregnancy? And she said, yes. And I said, did you eat salmon when you were breastfeeding? She said, oh, yes. I said, okay, well, there you go. The baby has already been exposed to that flavor. She recognizes it. And babies will want to gravitate towards the tastes that they recognize. You know what? You and I really aren't much different, don't you think? If you know that you like peaches, you've had peaches in the past, what do you do? You want to have the peaches, right? For me, it's the raspberries. I could skip whole flocks of other foods, but man, you give me a raspberry and I'm in hog heaven. So, no, you don't have to eat bland food. And if you want to eat your your taco or whatever, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, here's the next one. And I kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago, but I'm going to go into it a little bit more. Mothers should stop breastfeeding if their baby has diarrhea. No, that's a myth. But let me back up and say, does your baby really have diarrhea? To me, that's part of the question. All right. Or does your baby just have the normal soft stools that they have? Okay. The way that the breastfed babies do have. In the early days, and I'm talking the early days, what you'll have are, are, well, but I don't know what you're going to have, but the baby is going to have stools that are kind of like cottage cheese and mustard with some sesame seeds all mixed together, okay? That is the definition of uh, a, a stool for a breastfed baby. But some kids will have more of a consistency of about like yogurt. It's more like yogurt and mustard mixed together. It's still that really yellowy color. That's not diarrhea. So as I alluded to a few minutes ago, even if the baby has diarrhea, in almost all cases, 
Babies should continue to breastfeed. I would certainly ask you to talk with your baby's doctor in case there's something oddball going on that I can't address right here. And you know, of course, that everything that I tell you is information and is not intended as medical advice, all right? Uh, but I guess I would also ask you to think about why it would be, why would it be so important to continue breastfeeding? Well, first of all, because mother's milk is very physiologic. It does contain water, which is helpful in replacing fluids. And in one that has diarrhea, that's what you need to do. And as an adult who has diarrhea, you don't stop drinking fluids if you have diarrhea, right? All right, you may want to take short sips. You don't want to be guzzling, but you know that you need to stay hydrated. And the same thing goes for the baby. Okay, here's another one. Babies uh, need other types of milk after six months. Honestly, for the life of me, I do not know where on earth that came from. But as far as I know, it has absolutely no basis in science whatsoever, okay? So let me just tell you a couple of things that I tend to hear. I've heard mothers say that the formula has more calories. That is not true. A formula usually has about 20 calories or about 19 calories, depending on which brand you're buying and you know what what exactly it is but 19 or 20 mother's milk has more or less in the 20 neighborhood but it can have less or it can have a lot more if you work in a milk bank and remember we talked with um Kim Updegrove from the milk bank here a couple of weeks ago uh, those people will tell you that sometimes the milk actually has like in the high 20s calories. So 20 is just an average when we say that mother's milk has 20 calories. That's just an average. Here's the other thing that I hear is that formula has more vitamins. Um, no, not really. Uh, the formula does have a higher uh, amount of, like, for instance, iron. It does have more iron. But that's actually not something that more is not necessarily better. It has more iron because the baby cannot absorb it as well as he could absorb the iron that is in the mother's milk. So yes, it does have more, but it's they, that they have to put more in there because the baby can't absorb it as well. The mother's milk is, has got the iron and it is therefore more what we call bioavailable. And by the way, that's another reason why you will see that babies don't struggle trying to have a stool. It's because the iron has sort of a constipating effect, whereas the, the breastfed baby is not going to get that. So when you hear that it has more this or more that, you should kind of be wondering that's not necessarily the truth. Okay, so I've just blown through a bunch of those myths. I hope that I've actually busted those myths for you. I'm Marie Biancuta with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We will be back, and on the other side of the break, I'll give you the next couple of myths, and then we'll uh, be wrapping it up for the night. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. All right, now listen. Did you just listen to that thing that they just said on the voiceover before I came back from the break? Did you hear that thing that said to send your questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com? One of these mornings, I want to wake up and I want to find my email absolutely full to the gills of all these questions that you have because I know that you guys have questions out there you gals whoever you are so could you please send me your questions it's radio at born to be breastfed.com don't forget to like us on our Facebook page and visit our website it's www.borntobebreastfed.com .com. Wow, what a surprise. You never would have gathered that would be it, huh? It's www.borntobebreastfed.com. Visit our Facebook. Send me questions. I want to know that you're out there. I want to know you're living and breathing and asking questions and following me. And 
I don't want to feel like I'm talking to myself, okay? So make sure you keep those questions coming. Okay. Um, I left off with uh, some of those tummy trouble questions, and now I'm going to uh, kind of wind up with, with two more. Uh, here's one that you might find quite interesting. You might have heard a mother can't eat honey while breastfeeding because it might be transmitted to the baby and lead to botulism poisoning in the baby. No, not true. Now, you are correct to be concerned about the honey for the baby, all right? But you're, you don't need to worry about actually eating it yourself if you are lactating. If you, the mother, ingest the food that has any botulism spores, they will be killed by your gut, which is fully developed, okay? So the spores, the botulism spores, aren't going to make it into your blood. Remember we talked about this a while ago, that, that your milk doesn't get made from what's in your gut. Your, get, your milk gets made from what's in your bloodstream, okay? So the spores never make it into your bloodstream, and therefore they won't make it into your milk. So, botulism is not transmitted by breast milk. If you want to put some honey on your toast or whatever you've got in the morning, um, that would be fine. Hey, by the way, i got to tell you, I just found this new honey. I can't believe it took me all these years to find it, but I just did a week or two ago. And it is called Really Raw Honey, and it is totally the best thing I've ever put in my mouth for honey. That's Really Raw Honey, and I got it uh, from Amazon.com. It is wonderful. Okay, um, number 10. I actually did get through 10. What do you think of that? Uh, here's the other myth is if it's something you ate that bothers your baby, it will be noticeable right away. That's a myth. Um, it certainly could be as soon as about two hours, but I would say usually not. On average, it's going to take more like four hours or so for the food to, that you ate in order to get to your milk. Remember, we're back to the same old thing here that the milk is made from your blood. And so the food has got to go into your mouth, down your esophagus, into your stomach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, be digested, metabolized, distributed into your bloodstream. So it's going to take a while. So if you're looking for a food reaction, um, I don't necessarily think you're going to find it. Alrighty, I've got another minute, so actually I'm going to talk just a teeny weeny itty bitty thing about reflux. And I just want to say with that, that I think that especially in breastfed babies, I think that um, that's kind of overrated. I do think kids have reflux, but I don't think they're, they have as much as people think they have because I think mothers get a little um, worried that every time that the baby has a little spit up, that it's a reflex, and that's not necessarily the case. Oh, and doggone it, I, I, I had a note here somewhere. Oh, here we go. Uh, I left one out, so I'm quick going to cover that one. I, I didn't give you all 10. Here you go. Um, breastfed babies should be padded vigorously to burp. Nobody's ever told me that, but I see mothers doing this all the time. They've got the baby, the baby is eaten, and then they go, all right, can you hear this through my microphone? Like this. All right, that, I did it on the table. But people are like, 
trying to pound out this burp, all right? Breastfed babies generally don't need to be padded at all. Now, formula-fed baby, that might be different. But breastfed baby, all you really need to do is to look at getting the baby so that his food pipe is straight. And you can do that one of two ways. Now, of course, I'm standing here thinking uh, it's so hard to demonstrate this when I'm on the radio. But if you've got the baby like on your lap and then you kind of have, all right, his chest is on your right hand and then you've got, you're kind of supporting his back with your left hand. You can kind of sit him up and burp him like that. And some kids will burp like that. The other thing you can do is hold the baby upright so that his nose is more towards your shoulder. And again, that will get his food pipe straight. But you need to understand that not every kid who is breastfed is going to burp every time. Let's think about this. Babies who are breastfed generally don't take in as much air as those babies who are formula-fed through the bottle. Now, if he's getting your milk through the bottle, that's another story, okay? But uh, generally, uh, they don't have excess air in their stomach unless, unless they're eating too much, which they could be if you're giving your milk through the bottle. When kids take the bottle, they do tend to be more likely to take too much. All right, babies who are eating too fast and they're taking in too much air, and that might be because the baby is just really hungry or he's really eager or whatever. It could be that he did a lot of crying before the feeding, which also takes in the air. So here's another one is that sometimes moms think that they've got to burp the baby in between breasts. I don't necessarily think that's the case. You know, some of them, yes, some of them, no. You can kind of watch the baby when the baby starts having kind of those like little tiny, little tiny breathings and he kind of throws out his legs, then he has to usually burp. But, you know, a lot of them just don't. And that's okay. And just a little tiny spit up, but a happy baby, that's no big deal. All right, look at, I got to tell you, I was going to talk to you a little bit about this GMO stuff, but I would like you to just quickly look at a guest post on GMO organization. And the guest post is by pediatrician Michelle Perro. And she's talked about GMOs in non-organic formula, and you should bring yourself up to speed on that. But that's all the time we have today. I would like to thank all of you for being present, and you're going to send me your questions like, okay, right? I'd like to invite you to come back next week. For those of you who are parents, please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're a professional, please visit my professional website. That's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you're interested in professional continuing education to maintain your state licensure or to get your certification or to maintain your certification, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and, uh, and education on the web and sometimes in your city, particularly if you're going to be in Dallas later this month. Again, that's borntobebreastfed.com or breastfeedingoutlook.com for the professionals, the latter one. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. 
Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.